This is how to beat the stock market. There is a massive tidal wave coming for the stock market right now, and we're going to give you the way to play it. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of the Beam Pod is sponsored by BitGet. BitGet is the most user-friendly and secure crypto trading platform for both beginners and experienced traders. BitGet is the best place to not only trade Bitcoin and Ethereum, but also all the small cap gems that we discuss every day. With 24-7 customer support, leverage trading, and a wide array of other advanced features, BitGet sets itself apart from every other centralized exchange. Through Beanstalk's official partnership with BitGet, you'll receive 15% off all trading fees when you sign up using the referral link in the description. All views expressed by speakers on the BeanPod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on the BeanPod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome to the BeanPod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. This is Josh, the Nifty Investor. There is a huge tidal wave coming for the stock market that could absolutely change everything. And we're going to teach you how to beat it. Forget about inflation. This is something that nobody is talking about right now. But we are seeing it in other parts of the world right now. And if you are forward thinking like we are, you can start to connect the dots and figure out exactly where the stock market is headed. So we're going to cover some sectors in this episode that historically have performed quite well during these times and paint a little picture for you as to what we believe is about to hit the stock market and the economy. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we always, you know, sometimes we, we talk about macroeconomics on this show. You know, it's, it's not all about picking stocks, looking at companies. Sometimes you have to look at the way the global economy and more specifically for us, the North American economy is going to kind of get an insight into which areas of the stock market are going to outperform. Now, this also has some ties to crypto, and we might actually talk about crypto towards the end of the episode. So if you're interested in that, make sure you turn to the end. But when it comes to the macroeconomic environment right now, we just went through you know, a massive inflationary period, right? The hottest thing, you know, every month, what's the CPI data? What's the Fed saying? How much are they tightening? Because inflation was running almost double digits at one point. It was a historic, one of the most historically high level of inflation. But what comes after a level of inflation, a prolonged period of inflation, is the next wave that we're talking about. Yeah. So I was scrolling through Twitter one day and saw some Elon Musk comment on somebody else's status or something. And this is months ago. And if Elon Musk is going to, if anybody's going to know anything about what's happening in the world, it's going to be somebody who handles manufacturing facilities, who is one of the richest people in the world, who has his paws in every single country. And he said deflation is coming. Mm. So China, for the first time since 2020, their consumer sector fell into deflation and their producer prices fell into deflation. What exactly is deflation? It's when general prices just continue to fall. Mm -hmm. Inflation has been running super high for an extended period of time. And people don't have a ton of money right now. What What ended up happening during inflation? Think about it. You go to the store, prices of milk is, say, uh, 10 bucks for a liter. You go, well, I can't afford that, so I'm not going to buy milk anymore. What are producers going to have to do? They're going to have to, well, to attract the, 
the purchaser, the consumer, they're going to have to drop the price. Right. So next time you go in, it might be $9. And that still might be a little bit too expensive. So now a competitor might drop it to $8. And it kind of creates like this snowball effect yep. where the prices start falling. And what ends up happening to these stocks and these companies is now their forward guidance is going to start to change. Right. Yeah, there's two interesting aspects of a deflationary time economy that allude to which sectors perform well. So deflation is basically a symptom of a weakening economy or a weak economy, right? And if you look around, well, we've got a weak economy and we've had a weak economy for at least a year now. Um, it's a, it's a weakened economy, reduced demand because, you know, people aren't earning all this kind of stuff. Uh, goods are too, uh, priced too high. This has implications for the, for business and the stock market. But then the second part, which goes along with this is that as you just alluded to during a deflationary period, the purchasing power for individuals and families and businesses increases because prices come down so you can buy more of whatever good or service you're used to purchasing because the price is lowering. And then if you put those two together, so a weakening economy, however, people can buy more of the things they need, that kind of is a preview of to some of the stock sectors and then the stock picks that we're going to get into in this episode. And here's why you need to pay attention to the end, because we've gone through the historical data and see how the stock market has performed historically during periods of high infl- deflation. So Japan... In the 1990s to the 2000s, they had a bear market that lasted two decades. <laughs> Take that in. Yeah. Japan's stock market underperformed substantially, dropping from 39,000 down to 7,000. Insane. In the global financial crisis, the S&P declined over 50%. Mm. So, you know, you see where the S&P is trading now. That is a significant fall off. So the reason we're going through this episode and going to reveal some sectors that do quite well is because when the stock market goes down 50% or is in a bear market for two decades, you're going to get wrecked. Man, a two, a two decade bear market? Yeah. Oh, So Europe, Europe saw it in 2010. Um, countries were affected then. We also saw the COVID pandemic. Uh, and that is when the S&P dropped by 34%. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty... Pretty treacherous yeah. when deflation hits. For sure. So you need to start You need to start to learn about the sectors that do well in deflationary periods and the stocks that we talk about so you can get prepared for what may be about to come. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into the first one. So remember what I talked about when it's like, all right, people can buy more of what they need. However, it's a weak economy. So people are earning, you know, people may be uh, out, out of jobs, all that kind of stuff. So consumer staples, mm. right? Because it doesn't matter if... Doesn't, the economic conditions do not matter for consumer staples. In fact, people still need to eat, drink, take care of their basic needs. And a lot of these, you know, these are stores that are maybe uh, selling products in bulk, cheap goods, all that kind of stuff. You have to buy that stuff, whether it's a good economy or a bad economy. So in a deflationary, in a bear market, this kind of area, a lot of these high price things, maybe some luxury goods and services, you know, they, they might take a big hit because people just aren't buying them. However, if your purchasing power is going up, you're definitely going to be continuing to buy consumer staples. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, be looking at like what? Maybe a Procter & Gamble. Yep. Who uh, manufactures like Tide, mm-hmm. you know, how you wash your clothes, or Absolute. Gillette, deodorant, yep. you know, stuff like that. Uh, maybe a Coca-Cola. For yep. a, uh, Coca-Cola owns a whole shit ton of brands yeah, underneath. Yeah. So anything that's in your fridge that's in a, a bottle is probably from Coca-Cola. For sure. And, you know, even just, you know, you break it down. It's, you can even, when you talk about consumer staples, you can just think about where you do your own consumer staple yeah. shopping, right? So it's like Walmart. That's, Walmart will thrive during this area because people get all of their staples from Walmart. 
Dollar General yep. or something like that. Dollar Store because it's cheap. Yeah. Costco. Yeah. Costco is another great one. That that's the stock chart is just like only up. And if you need to cut costs and you want to get the most out of your purchasing power, Costco. So these are all, you know, they're not sexy stocks or anything, but, you know, if you have to protect your portfolio while still being in a position, um, then these are some of the consumer staples that are proven to outperform the market during deflationary periods. Yeah. Then you have utilities. You know, you got to keep your lights on. You need to keep heat into your house during periods of winter. Mm-hmm. You got you want to, you're at home all the time. You want to watch some TV. So then you can look at, you know, Nextera Energy, providing yep. power to your house or Comstock resources for, for natural sure. gas, That's for right. heating, right? So Yeah, I mean, the good thing about a lot of these uh, sectors that we're going to talk about today is the demand is inelastic, which means that demand doesn't depend on economic factors. You need your utilities. You need your energy. You need your consumer staples. So these are, quote unquote, safer picks during these times. It's like a steady form of revenue. Yeah, right? for sure. Whereas uh, something like an upstart, for example, mm-hmm. tech play, but is relying on loans. While people aren't seeking loans, then it's not going to go quite quite so well. For sure. And you know, a lot of these uh, larger established companies have dividends, mm-hmm. which is also quite nice, like a, as a form of kind of passive income or whatever you want. So other utility plays, maybe Duke Energy, which is a large American electric uh, power holding company, and then Southern Company. So these are all, you know, very, very large established companies that are giving dividends in sectors that are proven to outperform the market during during deflationary times. I mean, even we've alluded to this in previous episodes where these dividend paying stocks are also defense stocks, so like Lockheed Martin, right. stuff like that, Raytheon, all huge have government contracts, guaranteed revenue flow. Yep. Like you're kind of looking for... Tons of cash coming in, guaranteed contracts. Those are the companies that could, you know, perform quite well when, yeah, during these periods of time. For sure. Now, then when you look at the next sector, it's, it goes right along with the first two sectors. It's inelastic demand. Doesn't matter if the economy is good or bad, inflationary or deflationary. It's a steady sector that always has money flowing into it. And that's healthcare. And it's also an interesting time for healthcare stocks because a lot of large developed countries that are you know, make up the, the grand wealth of the world and have all the stock markets, they have a lot of very old people, aging population True. everywhere. There's declining population because people are not having enough kids in most of the developed world. And also a very old and aging population, all the baby boomers and all that kind of stuff, they're getting old quick. Healthcare stocks, for that reason, and also because they perform well during deflationary periods, are starting to look more interesting to me by the day. There's also the rise of a new variant. Oh, no. <laughs> God. I know, I know. I mean, you joke about it, but like a stock like Pfizer. Yeah, right? If you're going to, um, you know, not only do they provide pharmaceutical goods for, you know, a whole plethora of different mm. uh, illnesses and whatnot, but the vaccine. Yep. You know, what if there's mandates that come in? Yeah, look, if you want to travel, you got to get more vaccines. I'm going to blow my motherfucking brains out <laughs> of that <laughs> Yeah. Oh fuck. But like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Pfizer, Moderna. You know, these hypey COVID nineteen plays as also being in healthcare, which is you know a good sector for the deflationary time. You also look at like Johnson and Johnson. They're producing all you know baby powder, all your healthcare goods. You go into another store. We talked about Costco or Walmart. Half the products in the healthcare aisle are going to be made by Johnson and Johnson. So again, these aren't sexy stock picks, but if you want to have your stock portfolio stay up during a bear market deflationary period, then the healthcare stocks like Pfizer or Johnson and Johnson will probably, not financial advice, outperform the market. Yeah, and then you, I guess you could also be look at uh, not as sexy as Bitcoin, but maybe some of the gold miners. Right. You know, they got the BRICS nation looking to whatever they're doing with their gold and back into the reserves. Um, with gold. And they also pay dividends a lot of these ones too. Yep. These are sure. ones that like um 
what's that fucking super rich guy, Berkshire guy? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Yeah. He's, he, I think he owns a bunch of like uh, Barrett Gold. Yep. You know, it's during times of uncertainty. Who right. knows? Is this going to last two decades like it did in Japan back in the 1990s? Hopefully not. Because <laughs> <laughs> you went for a world of hurt. Oh, and, you know, maybe maybe gold's the way to go. So you can yeah. look at like a Barrick Gold or a Newmont Corporation. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Another sector I had on my list was like telecommunications. Again, we're looking. I'm looking for sectors with inelastic demand. You know, just because we're in a deflationary period, people aren't going to be cutting their phone lines. People have phones, people watch, people watch cable, people watch TV. So if you're looking at, you know, Verizon or AT&T, you know, these are blue chip stocks, large multi, multi-billion dollar companies that are printing cash. Doesn't matter if it's in deflation or inflationary period, they're paying dividends. So protecting your portfolio by investing in a lot of these American blue chip stocks could be something to look at over the next, you know, year and a bit. Yeah. So th- this is what, this is a way to stay defensive. You know, we like our altcoin gems, our 100 X moon boy sh- shots and, yep. you know, a lot of coverage over some of the top 100 web three companies that are out there. Mm. But again, you need to stay diversified. You need, there's different listeners, different viewers of our episodes. And this is one way to hedge against what is coming down the pipeline, and that is deflation. For sure. Now, we did allude to, at the start of the episode, that we would talk about maybe some riskier things like crypto. And what do we, so what have you done in your, in your research, you were talking about this before we started recording, was what happens at the end of a deflationary period? You know, what does the government do, and what, what impact does that have on investments such as like crypto? Yeah, so I mean, look, when people are sitting around not spending because they're expecting the price to continue to go lower, you know, let's say you want to buy a house, right? It's like, fine, I can get into the market. Well, you know, that $700,000 house is now selling for six eighty. dollars Maybe I can get for $660. I'll wait. Maybe I can get to six forty, dollars And then everybody starts waiting and the prices keep declining, declining. Mm. Government's like, look, we need to start getting you guys to start spending somehow. So I want to see the, there's also a credit card crunch that's happening at the moment too. Like I think America is in the highest form of debt it's mm. ever been in. Yep. Both from the government. Trillions of dollars. From the government side, but also from the individuals who live yep. in the country. So the last time that there was deflationary pressure and a credit crunch was in 1930s, the Great Depression. Oof. One of the only historical examples. And it had it has all the exact similarities. Um, so you had the credit boom of the 1920s. And this is when the 20s saw a significant expansion of credit. Consumers were borrowing all these things. What did we just have for the past 10 years? Interest rates sitting at zero. Then we had a banking crisis. That happened in the 1930s for the great... What did we just see recently? Then we had a deflationary spiral, right? So that's where this is coming in. Oh, no. So what ends up happening is a policy response. So you start to get the government that you need to step in, start taking actions sooner rather than later. I think because we have historical evidence, they're not going to let it go on for two decades. I think they're going to act sooner rather than later. Right. So we've talked about deflationary stocks and how to protect yourself for if this occurs for the next year or two. But there is a chance when the government's going to start injecting liquidity back into the markets. And that's kind of, you know, when you're reading through LinkedIn or Business Insider and all these things, because China is now going to deflation, deflationary times. They're saying, could this be the moment where the world starts to inject stimulus again? Right. Right. So this has happened throughout history. Uh, There's different ways where they can do it. So um, lowering of interest rates, you know, they're sitting super high right now. People can't afford to pay their mortgages. They'll start dropping that. That's one form of liquidity injection. That's that can happen for sure. But as we pointed out in previous episodes, that's when usually when actually do start cutting rates, 
the market usually tends to tank. Yeah, which is what we've alluded to in the episode. Yep. Every time that this happens, the market will tank. So yep. I am expecting a, a huge tank at some point. It's just a matter of when, yep. especially with this credit crunch. So sure. whether it's structural reforms, financial system support, lowering of interest rates, there's going to be some way that the market will get a boost yep. and there will be a stimulus. For sure, yeah. But it is important to know that if they actually do start injecting money in, then the whole investment thesis kind of flips on its head, right? Yeah. Because we saw what happens when the government is printing money and sending people money and all this kind of stuff is the risk on assets start to pump. Yeah. That's when Bitcoin pumped to 69K with all this stimulus. Crazy tech stocks that don't produce anything, you know, yeah. just going like stocks. Billions going of dollar market caps. Yeah, insane. So that's when you basically just put pump money into any shit coin or whatever. That's, you know, when, when stimulus is rolling in, it's, it flips the whole market on its head end and things just go ballistic. So that's not that's probably not when you want to be in like an AT&T or a Walmart. Yeah. But that's when you want to be just pick the riskiest fucking... <laughs> but remember <laughs> the riskiest talk yeah. out there? <laughs> SPACs. Yeah, exactly. Um, remember in one of our previous episodes we did, I think it was on inflation or something like that, market insight. And every time the Fed pivoted, we saw somewhere like between a 30 and 50, 50% decline mm. when they cut rates. Yep. So... I think we're probably maybe a year plus away from that. Yeah. I think they're just going to keep him steady for a while, but it's always best to be prepared. Yeah. That's why we do these different episodes. You know, we're not always talking about, as you said, crypto, altcoins. You got to look at the macroeconomic environment because at the end of the day, what happens in the stock market affects the crypto market because the liquidity is all connected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, look, we believe that there's deflationary pressure that's going to start hitting because we're seeing China. You know, maybe you guys have different views. Maybe you want to share them in the comments. Let us know. Maybe we see an extended period of inflation. Yep. Uh, maybe the government doesn't start injecting money. Maybe they do. Let us know in the comments. There's a lot of smart viewers and listeners. And then tune into the next episode. Because that one is going to be a banger.